ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 16 of Tiff's Monthly Movie Loot, where I see a bunch of films and tell you if they're good. Bit of a crazy day here in Puerto Rico, we've had at least two significant tremors felt across the island, one at 4.9 and the other at 5.3, but the issue is not whether they were weak or strong, but that it reawakened the stress and uncertainty we've had since January, when we had numerous earthquakes, beginning with a 6.41 in January 6. So let's hope this is not the last you hear from me. Uh, June is over, and although it was a rush, I finished my goal with a loot of films full of surprises. So let's talk about the last five films I saw during the last month. A freebie for the kids. I started this batch with something for the kids, and boy, was it a bad one. We saw a 2014 animated Chinese production called Agent Fox. It follows the titular spy as he is sent to retrieve a mysterious amulet from Carrot Town, which is inhabited by rabbits. But as he infiltrates the town and ends up mistaken for another rabbit, he realizes that the other rabbits might not be as bad as he was led to believe. That's about as much sense as I can make of this. The film has almost no strengths whatsoever, the plot is nonsensical as the script keeps throwing random things on top of the other for no reason whatsoever. There is little to no thrill to how things unfold and the English dubbing had enough time into its delivery. If anything, I would say that the set design of the buildings in Carrot Town was cool, so I'm gonna be lenient and give them half a point for that, but parents out there, heed my advice, stay away from this. A film with the number 6 in its title. For this category I saw another Chinese production, a crime drama from 2015 called Mr. Six. The film was a rather interesting watch. It follows the titular character played by Feng Xiaogang, an aging kingpin or enforcer of sorts that has had control and respect over the streets of Beijing through the years. When his teenage son ends up clashing with a young street racing gang, Mr. Six steps up to defend him, sparking a potential fight between both groups, but most importantly highlighting his frailty and age. It's important to point this right out of the gate, this is not an action film and this is not a crime film, or at least not in the sense that we might be used to. The film is more of an introspective drama about what it means to get old and to be out of touch or left behind by new generations. It is about father and son relationships and about past regrets. If you come at it with those expectations, you will probably enjoy it. Xiao Gang's performance is great as he conveys a combination of toughness with weariness and regret. The other performances are good or solid, but Mr. Six is the most interesting and complex, and the focus of the film stays always with him. There is a shift towards the last act that in some ways deviates the plot from what we might have expected, with the main antagonist stepping aside and his right-hand man just disappearing. In addition, the ending is definitely anticlimactic, which might put off some viewers, but in many ways it is still very much in tone with the spirit of the film, so like I said, if you come at it with the right expectations, you might enjoy this quite a bit. A film from Philippines This category was because of Philippines Independence Day, which was on June 12th. I had a hard time figuring out what to watch, but then found out that Netflix had a bunch of Filipino films available, so I settled for this action vehicle from 2019 titled Maria. It follows the titular character, played by Christine Reyes, a former assassin now living a family life away from crime, but when she is spotted by a former associate, she is forced to face her past once again. 
If you think that the premise sounds derivative from other action films, well, that's because it is. The film relies on conventional tropes of the genre, it really doesn't bring anything new or different to the table, and borrows a lot from films like John Wick, for example. But as far as the action and the fight choreography goes, I thought they were very well executed. The direction was solid as well, and the story, as derivative as it might be overall, it still managed to surprise me with one or two things. If anything, the film's biggest flaw is the performances. Reyes is not great, but she is competent, but the other lead performances were borderline cringy, with Maria's husband and the two main henchmen being the biggest offenders. Still, for a film I knew nothing about and had no expectations whatsoever, I enjoyed it. A film with the word summer in its title. June 20 marked the start of summer, so I wanted to watch a film that had the word summer in its title, and I decided to watch 2013's Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring from South Korea. The film follows the life of a Buddhist monk from childhood to adulthood while using the seasons to signal the passing of time and each particular phase in the life of the character. The film, which is written and directed by Kim Ki-duk, features a deliberately slow pace and sparse dialogue. Actually, I think there was no dialogue in all the last hour. Despite that, the film manages to grab your attention with its gorgeous scenery and direction, but moreover with the emotional, silent performances of the characters. There are no big twists or reveals, no emotional speeches, no sentimentality and no judgments. Instead, the director just puts its story forward and lets it flow, Apparently, there is a lot of use of Buddhist symbology, which I've read some of, but still, that doesn't affect the film's impact and poignancy for those that don't know about their meanings. It is quite a beautiful film. A film about LGBTQ plus lifestyles. Chose this category because of Pride Month and went with a 1996 film called The Watermelon Woman. The film follows Cheryl, played by writer-director Cheryl Dunye, as a semi-fictionalized version of herself, a young, aspiring, black, lesbian filmmaker that is captivated by a black actress from the 30s and 40s films and decides to do a film about her, who she was and her career. This leads Cheryl to discover and explore her own identity, both as a black woman and as a lesbian. If that sounds like a lot of text, it's intentional. The film puts a lot of emphasis in how we and the people around us create our identities and categorize those around us, whether it is for a film, a casting, or to spend our lives with. The performances here are mostly subpar and Dunja's direction is not flashy, but there is an honesty and a realness she brings to the film that is endearing and it makes the film work. I also admire the effort put to create the whole image and persona of the fictional watermelon woman. You can see there was extensive care put in making those old clips and images feel real to the point that I thought they were. This film is not necessarily a masterpiece, but I would say it's definitely worth a watch. A film set in Hawaii. This category was because of King Kamehameha Day, which was June 11, and I went with 1961's Blue Hawaii. This was my first Elvis Presley film, and I have to admit, I braced myself for the worst. Fortunately, this wasn't as bad as I expected. The film follows Chad Gates, played by Presley, who returns home to Hawaii after two years in the army. Upon his return, he finds himself clashing with his strict parents, played by Roland Winters and Angela Lansbury, who want him to follow the family business, and his girlfriend, played by Joan Blackman, who is encouraging him to follow his own path. 
Sure, the plot is very cliche and formulaic, but it is saved by Presley's charm and charisma. Most of the songs are catchy and fun to listen to, even if they are not extremely memorable. Lansbury is also excellent as Presley's annoying mother, and she steals every scene she's in. There are several aspects of the film that might feel dated, perhaps a bit racist and misogynistic, but none that I found to be particularly offensive, at least for a film from the times. Finally, the film is a tad overlong as it adds an unnecessary subplot about a group of high schoolers that end up smitten with Presley as he takes them on a tour around Hawaii, which sort of deviates from what seemed to be the central plot, but other than that, I thought it was mostly a fun film. So that's all for the month of June. One of the things I liked about this loot is that, with the exception of Agent Fox, all the other films were films that I expected to be bad, boring, or films I had no expectations at all because I hadn't heard of them, but still, they all ended up surprising me in some way. For example, Mr. Six, Maria, and The Watermelon Woman were films that I hadn't heard of before this month. While I expected spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring, and Blue Hawaii to be boring and bad respectively. So don't shy away from films you expect to be bad or know nothing of because you might end up surprised. Anyway, now that the month is over, I'll summarize a bit. I ended up seeing 17 films in total, 18 if I count the rewatch of The Lighthouse. If I were to choose a favorite first time watch, it would probably be High Life with The Lighthouse and Uncut Gems Close. So that Pattinson guy is good, huh? As for a least favorite, that's easily Agent Fox, which I just discussed in this episode and it was horrible. Now that July is underway, here are the categories I've set up for the new month. A film with the number seven in its title, any film that starts with the letters M or N, a film from the 1001 movies you must see before you die list whose ranking includes the number seven, a film from the 1960s, a musical, a blockbuster film, a film with America in its title, a film about sharks, a film with the word kiss in its title, a film from Argentina, a film with the word world in its title, a film set in France, a film about chaos and disorder, a film from Gus Van Sant, and a Western film. As usual, I'd like to hear some recommendations for any of these categories, so look me up on Twitter at TIFCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T, or on Letterboxd as TIFF12. Also, now that we're halfway through the year, I might be making some slight changes to the podcast. Until now, I had been trying to release three episodes per month, discussing at least five films per episode, but I'll try to limit myself to two episodes per month, discussing at least seven to eight films per episode. The reason is to alleviate some of the work it takes to record and edit every episode. Obviously, episodes will be a bit longer, maybe 15-ish minutes, instead of the usual 10, 11 I do now. So I hope you all stick with me through those changes. I might also add some bonus episodes to the mix where I might discuss something different, but that's still on the drawing board. In addition to recommendations, you can also write to me to let me know your thoughts on the podcast or your opinions of the films I've discussed. Also, remember to like, follow, and share the link. So that's all for episode 16 of Tiff's Monthly Movie Loot. Thanks again to all for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, Luke. May the force be with you.